cut, but morally corrupt. It's Forwards Backwards Podcast, not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Gimme Some Truth Studios. This week we talk tactics, 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 and uh, preview maybe some Union Omaha. I'm Keith Ponemaz, and all, as always, I'm joined by the Roberto Mancini to my Gianluca Vialli, Kyle Carr. Kyle, bucks in six. Hashtag question mark. You know, if it can happen in six, that'd be great. I'm, I have predicted it's going to go seven. Um, just because I don't want, I, I can't bring myself to say bucks and six. Cause I've said it way too many times and it's burned me in the past. So why not? Why not just say seven instead? As long as the bucks win the championship, I wouldn't care. <laughs> Um, if the Bucks win the championship, um, would we ever see you again, or would you just, um, you know, kind of spontaneously explode? Uh, if I don't spontaneously explode or die of alcohol poisoning from celebrating, um, yeah, I don't know what's gonna. I don't know. I'm not prepared for this moment. If it was even possible, even making the finals was a miracle in itself. Like how I, you know, kept myself together for that. Uh, Let's just say if you don't hear from me by 48 hours after, or you don't spot me at a parade, at the celebration parade, then be concerned. Okay, we'll send out a search party. Maybe yeah. we'll, we'll give you one of those like uh, uh, little chips that you can put with, on your keys now to help find them. Yeah, so I was going to say, micro, might as well just try and microchip me now, whether yeah. the vaccine has already done that or not. Different story. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, you went to the game last night with uh, Jake from Blackfires, uh, host of uh, 50 plus donor podcast. Uh, you guys were sitting right next to each other, which is pretty impressive because he's a Phoenix Suns fan, correct? That went pretty well. Yeah, we were. It was kind of as the game went on in you know, the second quarter. He was getting into it, and I was hating everything. And then the second half happening, the role switched, and by the end, it was like, all right. And it, it was a good time. It was a good time. I'm glad we both got to see our respective teams play in an NBA Finals game. Something I think if we had, you know, put money on at the beginning of the year, uh, we would have made a lot of money. Uh, yeah, so. absolutely. So uh, it's not been a great June, uh, Kyle. We haven't had, uh, you know, a lot of uh, victories from forward Madison. In fact, uh, if you look over, we had one win. We had a couple of losses and uh, a couple of draws. And last night uh, or or Saturday night, I wouldn't say got us off to the best start for what we might call July. Yeah. um, I didn't watch any of this game. I was at a wedding in lacrosse. I got to my hotel room. I got a text from Elliot down Richmond. He said, what the hell is wrong is happening to you guys? And I said, I don't know. I am too drunk to comprehend anything. I will look at that as future Kyle's problem. (laughs) And future Kyle is not loving what happened. Let's just say that it's been. Yeah, there's probably like there's there's just a few games in the past month where it's like that. That's really how it ended up and probably should have done better. So just to walk you through, uh, June 1st, draw with Fort Lauderdale. June 6th, loss to that Owl team. June 12th, draw in the Henny Derby. June 19th, loss to New England. Wednesday, June 23rd, a come from behind, 
come from a head draw with Greenville. Finally, on June 30th, the last day of the month, we get a win. And then we get to Saturday night's match, and forward loses 4-1. Now, you didn't watch the match live, uh, but you did check out the extended highlights. I, uh, on the other hand, uh, forced myself to suffer through it twice um, because I'm Polish and we're used to this kind of suffering. Um, and so, the, you know, the three key points, I think. One is uh, a lot of people talked about several of the goals being offside and is the plural of offside offsides i don't know but um that was one thing we saw but it it highlighted something i think going into the match that was a a little bit interesting and and you saw all the goals um what were your thoughts on the plural of offside offsides situation it definitely um, raise some questions. This is not the first time Ford Madison has a lot of goal that you would argue was offside from the other team. But at the same time, you kind of keep setting yourself up to be in these positions. It's going to bite you in the ass. And that that's kind of the, it, it's one of those where it's like, yes, they need to get these calls correctly. But at the same time, you can't put yourself in positions where now you have to rely on the competent refereeing of USL League One. You, you, you can't do that. If that's your last line of defense, you've already screwed up. Well, and, and I think the most glaring one seemed to me to be the third goal. Um, if you if you look back at that one, but then when you think about it, when you're looking at the positioning, first of all, you know one of the things because I in watching the match the second time, I went back because I saw the the Twitter chatter about all of this. And if you go back and you, and you look, I mean, positionally, the, the, the third goal in particular, the guy was right there, you know? And so when you're watching on TV, you know, it looks like he's clearly off, but you, you, you got to go back and you got to do your VAR lines. And that's the other thing that I, I realized in uh, looking at that third goal is that thanks to VAR, I have absolutely no idea, zero ideas what constitutes being on side anymore. It has totally warped my brain and blown up my brain because I was like, wait, is 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 it if his leg is offside? Is he, and I started asking all of these questions. But if you you know you look at the video, the third one seemed to be the most controversial. Uh, Rob, yeah, the third Apple one is definitely of- the one that I was like, "Oh, okay, that that one you can you have a justifiable gripe with." The third one, I I would say, yeah, that was bad. I know some people are talking about the first one as well, and it's like, well, can't really argue the first one, but the third one was that out of all the four goals, like out of the ones, like yeah, the third one was pretty bad. But that was the one where, like, literally the ref would be, like, standing right next to that guy when the ball is played. So of all of them, you know, uh, it seemed to be the best chance. You know, the third one, uh, Rob Chappell from the the uh, Talk and Flock uh, podcast did a screenshot. And when you screenshot it at the point when the ball is played, the guy looks like he's on side. Yep. Um, and, and so it's it's, you know, tough. But, you know, that third one is the most, you're like, eh. But the other problem was that you saw is our defensive line was not flat. Gustavo was ahead of Turbo, you know, and so you had this this split of our central defenders. And when you're, you know, pressing forward, trying to get that fourth goal, 
you want to make sure that you have, or the, the first goal for us, try to get the comeback goal, I should say, you want to make sure your, your line is, is flat and even. And it looked like, you know, Turbo was two or three steps behind Fernandez. And that makes, you know, keeping that offside line a little trickier, you know? And, and so it's something you want to be aware of. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but- you look at the, it's like, Pato is way off. Yeah, Gustavo's off. He tries lunging for the tackle. He misses it. Terrible's the last line of defense. I don't know where Giro was. Like, it was just like, when I say like, yes, you can argue about offsides, but at the same time, don't put yourself in that those positions. This The yeah. first goal is kind of a prime example. Yeah. No, the first goal, especially, yeah, you looked and, and I don't think uh, Gustavo Fernandez would say that he had his best night ever in a forward Madison kit. Um, you know, if you look at that second goal as well, um, you know, and it, it was a tough play that the, the goal, you know, came that they were sort of out on the left. Pato gave him a, a fair amount of space um, and gave uh, Munjamo uh, some space or Munjamo was actually sort of near Gustavo, but he, he made a run that he checked back and basically put himself. So he was equidistant from the two center backs and, you know, who's supposed to step, you know, in some sense, uh, Gustavo was providing cover for Pato out on the wing. He should have probably been the one to step, but if he steps there, he leaves, um, you know, Pato on the eye, you know, defending one-on-one with no cover should, you know, uh, Turbo have stepped there. Well, then, you know, the far post gets exposed. It was one of those where it was a really good run and, you know, worked, he worked, found that little pocket of space really well, but, Again, you know, maybe if if Diaz is a little tighter, maybe you know that eases some of that. But it was another case where, you know, they they did some good stuff and we did a lot of bad stuff defensively in some sense. And I think if you look at that that first half at some of the forward Madison highlights, North Texas, you know, right after the the first goal and in about the ninth minute had a, just a glaring turnover, and we had kind of a. a a chance to, to counter and, and find a, find a, maybe an equalizer early on. And we, we wasted the chance. So, um, you know, we should feel a little bit um, worried about our defense, but I also, you have to give credit to North Texas because they took advantage and created, you know, really took advantage of those situations where we weren't looking at our best. Yeah. I mean, that fourth goal for North Texas, that was just like, it was, they put in a good, put in a great through ball. It's only turbo and Giro and neither of them are going to be able to come down and close on it finishes at a tight angle that can't really do much of saving and like maybe Bruno could have done, but it was a perfectly placed shot. Like the fourth goal is one of those where it's like, yeah, that's just a good goal. Same with like this fourth and second. We're just like, I don't know what more you could have like, it's just, that's just how it was. But it felt as though Madison and it's been a little bit of a concern that has been highlighted a few times. It was highlighted against Fort Lauderdale. It was highlighted even in the second Omaha match that they lost. The goal seemed to come from either not closing down on someone on the wing or you get a ball, you go direct, you take advantage and you use the pace to get ahead and get behind. And in the second goal is kind of the same thing. You know, Pato doesn't really close down on a defender. And by the time he finally decides to do so, the attacker makes the run. Gustavo kind of steps inside. And, but by then it was, he was in no man's land and turbo. And it's kind of like that same thing. You don't know which of the two are supposed to step up. Um, 
it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a little frustrating because it seems as though either the communication breakdown or in for like, especially in the third goal case, chasing the game. And when you're chasing the game and you have two people back, you're going to leave yourself exposed to this type of thing. And North Texas is still a very young team. It might, it may or may not have had some FC Dallas players there as well, but at the end of the day, you know, the same type of goals that you keep conceding are going to start rearing its head. Other than the second um, Revs goal on June 19th, it, all the goals are coming the same way. Yeah. No, and, and you know, in a, a couple of those goals in, in June too, you saw, um, you know, guys beat us to the near post and we didn't maybe close down and they make that run. And, and yeah, it's a little bit worrying if you're, if you're looking at the, the trends, you know, that fourth goal came on a counterattack when you're pressing forward and, and that happens, right? I mean, you know, the, the, it doesn't matter if you lose three, nothing or, you know, four, nothing at that point, you're, you're trying to get a goal back and, you know, there's still, you know, goal came in the 74th minute. So maybe you can scrape something out when you're down three, nothing. Um, and then that, you know, fourth goal comes right. And then you're, you're in real trouble. Um, you know, right now, if you look, the, the other thing that I think is a, a longer, uh, concern we might say and and we we've talked about you know the month of june and if you if you go back in into june you have to worry a little bit because you know we scored two against fort lauderdale we scored two against greenville but then none against richmond none against new england one against new england and one against north texas here um in and really a garbage time goal you might you might say and so you're worried a little bit about point two offensive impotence. And, you know, if you just watch the highlights, Kyle, I don't know if you saw a lot of offensive uh, attacking for forward Madison. Uh, you know, there's one highlight and it was Jake Keegan's goal. And yeah. that is the only attacking highlight that Ford Madison had. They, they had a really good chance in the 29th minute when uh, Gustavo Fernandez actually got a, a great ball. Um, I want to say it was from Enriquez, uh, headed it down and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, Union Omaha, uh, goalkeeper, uh, or not Union Omaha, can't even get the right team going <laughs> here today. It's been that kind of Monday. Um, when the, the, uh, the, the, uh, goalkeeper for, for, uh, North Texas Sanchez, uh, Sanchez came flying across the goal had no chance at it, just kind of jumped up and was off the ground. And if, if the you know ball had bounced on the goal line, it would have gone in and because Sanchez would have jumped over it. Um, that was really a good chance. Otherwise, you know, a, a couple of half chances here and there. Um, you know, Keegan was offside on a, a couple of runs. And so having now watched, you know, from the comfort of your living room, I don't think you've been back to Bree Stevens since the arrival of, of – uh, you know, child number two, um, what are you seeing offensively that is concerning to you? Or, uh, you know, one thing that, you know, uh, friends of the pod have noticed that goals are not coming from anybody, but Jake Keegan, it seems like at this point, which is a little troubling. Uh, what, what are you noticing? Um, teams are definitely keying in on Gebhard. I think that's the first thing. I noticed, especially in the second unit Omaha match, they made sure because the first time Gebhard was terrorizing them down the right constantly, like his link up with Diaz was terrorizing a lot of teams. 
And a lot now it's pretty much like, okay, we're going to focus on that. We're going to shut like, that is our point to shut it down the right side of the attack. And on the left side, it's kind of been the same. Like left side hasn't really provided much, at least whoever plays that left wing attack Jiro in the Greenville game at the very least, he was getting into the box. He was making good runs. He was attacking. He drew the penalty. You saw that, but overall the left side of the attack has just not been there. And even all the assists that Jay King is getting, it seems to be coming from the right side, whether it's Pato, whether it's Gebhardt, whether it's Malloy making the, like whoever's like, it just seems like our attack seems to only be capable of coming from the right. Or if he, even if it's Keegan running on the right, more on the right wing area. So I don't know what, I mean, we've tried Tyler Allen on the left wing. We've tried Noah Fusa on the last couple matches on the left wing. I don't know what it's going to take to get more, attacking quality or at least more yeah more attacking quality from the left side because other than Aaron Malloy's goal I can't think of many Ford Madison goals that have come from that left side and I, I again I don't know how much of that is just bad luck or how much that is teams pretty much knowing that they can do it and it's like kind of just hey until you prove us otherwise, we're just going to let you do what you want on the left side, and we're going to shut down the right side and make sure that Pato and Gebhard aren't going to beat us. I, I think it's interesting, too, one of the things we've started seeing from, from forward, and I think the right-hand side has not been as productive of late. And one of the things that Dan noticed a, a couple of weeks ago is that, uh, and I noticed it here, too, is that Pato is now in, in sort of a Pep Guardiola move, you know, is inverting as a wing back, you know, sliding into defensive center mid. And I think it takes away a little bit of our effectiveness because Pato on the overlap with Gebhardt, Gebhardt would force the guy inside and then, you know, the space would open for Pato and Pato serves a really good ball and he would explode into the space. If we're inverting and putting him into the midfield, and the way we're doing it too, I don't really like because what's happening is he's positioning himself essentially directly in front of um, of Fernandez, and it doesn't give us any width on the right now. You know, Gebhardt is the sole provider of width on the right. That's fine, but what it also does, if you look at what you know, look at Manchester City, look at Bayern Munich. What they tried to do is they wanted to have staggered passing angles you now what you're seeing is Malloy ending up directly in front of Connor Tobin and Fernandez or Fernandez right behind Pato and so you have this this box shape and it's really easy to defend and if you look at how compact like the heat maps are for forward and the, the position maps it's it's a little worrying that we're not getting any width that we're not spreading out the pitch especially I think one of the things teams have figured out against forward is we're seeing a lot more teams sit deep, right, and play that two banks of four. Um, I think Union Omaha did it really, really well in their, um, you know, second match with us where they basically would put those two forwards right on Tobin and on on Fernandez, and they could spring the attack right into that, and that, you know, leads to that two-on-two. And then the other thing is Jiro is a little bit different on the other side. Jiro likes to have the ball at his feet and cut in, right, and so if you're not getting that, that if you're not essentially trying to do something different on that other wing, you, you're going to end up congested, right? Because Jiro and whoever's on that wing want to go to that same 
swath of the field, right? Basically between the edge of the D and the edge of the box. So you need a winger who's going to stay really, really wide because I think Jiro is really effective if you can get the, him the ball wide there and he can drive in. And then if they close down on him, he can spring out, you know, the guy uh, out on the wing. But now what we're seeing is it, it seems a little bit, you know, mixed up. I also think Jiro is starting too high up the pitch a little bit. Um, and then related to that, just a small thing that I noticed is early on, we talked about how on the front foot everybody was, that they were looking to make the other team make decisions. And I noticed a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, we've killed the ball dead. Like we'll, we'll pass it around in the back and the ball will stop at somebody's feet. And you didn't see that problem early in the season. You know, you saw it last year when we were very turgid offensively, you didn't see it this year. And so I'm wondering if this is natural growing pains. Guys are trying to figure out if, you know, um, maybe something's gone wrong in the midfield. We're not seeing, you know, we, we saw Enriquez and, and, um, and now I'm blanking on the other uh, new signing here. Carlos Gomez. Or- Carlos Gomez. Yeah. In the midfield, you know, two new guys basically that haven't had much practice, practice, practice Jepson and Suko, you know, have not been back. It sounded like Suko may have picked up a knock and was questionable for the match. And, you know, so you're maybe not seeing the same fluidity in in that midfield and that's slowing down the ball movement a little bit and makes exaggerates all of these little problems that that we've identified as well yeah well it's funny because i'm looking at christian diaz's touch uh map from the first half it is very much a yeah it's still pretty wide like he has some touches in the middle but it seems as though most of them are still out wide and then you look in the second half, and it's very few out wide, a lot in the middle. It kind of like what you were saying with that touch map, and it kind of makes a problem, especially when you go to Gebhard, and he's still staying pretty far out wide. So I guess is if that's the plan, then okay, but you're kind of taking away that threat on the right-hand side if you only have to isolate and only put one person out wide. Otherwise... I guess that's where Carlos Gomez was, you would think, theoretically, or Enriquez, whoever is the one that's more on the right-hand side of that midfield. That's where you would hope that they would kind of fill out and play, but you know that's not happening. It's, it just seems like while Ford Madison was on the front foot, a lot of why they're on the front foot was you would have you know Gebhard or Allen or Jiro or Pato or Fusan. They would just go right at you. While with now it's kind of a we're going to try and build possession, get it to Malloy, and see if Malloy can pick out a pass, which you know he's still doing. He's still picking out passes. Every, you know that's still happening, but it definitely feels as though a lot of being out wide is no longer the focus, and it's more we're going to try and pick out the passes, which is not a bad idea. But when only one person's picking out those passes that's going to make things really difficult. And then it allows teams to just sit back, which that is their intent. You know, Richmond, they've always done that. That's always, that's always been Richmond's game plan is we're going to sit back and then we're going to spring a counterattack on you. That's no different. Greenville, they've slowly started to change that. They used to be the, we're going to sit back and do it. They're now do it. They're now trying to be more on the front foot. Revs two, that was a, the second one that the, that Ford Madison won was more of a, Revs 2 didn't have any ideas how to break down Ford Madison's defense, which is a good thing for Ford Madison. 
but they were, I would say in the second half, at least they were more on the front foot when they were chasing the equalizer. And I think, I think that's kind of the issue is Ford Madison. I think we are so used to Ford Madison trying to chase the goals that they've gotten more goals in the first half, which is good. You know, I would like them to even out the distribution of goals throughout the match, but before it was like they can constantly keep trying to chase it. They can constantly keep trying to go for that goal. Well, now it's like, okay, you got your goal or we're going to slowly work on build, trying to do build up to get the goal instead of just going right at teams. Well, and I think related to that, you know, you talked about that, that um, new England match. And one thing that was a little frustrating is if we're going to drop deep and absorb pressure, we have, you know, Fusan, Allen, Gebhardt, all these guys who should be able to ignite just a, a brilliant, you know, a brilliant counterattack, especially with with Keegan, who works so well, it seems, you know, just at, at finishing chances off. And we didn't really see a chance to exploit that, you know, in that match. I mean, we bunkered in, we didn't get many chances. Our, our counterattack didn't look great. It may have been, you know, that was, I think Gomez's first or second match. So maybe you hadn't, but it's a case where if you're, if you're dropping deep and you're protecting the lead, one of the things that should be there is, you know, Malloy is, is great at picking out balls. I mean, of anybody in, in league one, he'd be the guy I'd want kind of pinging the p- passes around, but um, you know, that's the situation where you want it. It didn't seem to develop in the course of, of that match. Um, but I, I think, you know, with, with, if you end up with this, you know, kind of one, one dimensional attack that you're trying to play these, you know, go through Malloy on everything, you're taking away a little bit of your natural, you know, ability. You're also allowing teams just, if they can just compact everything around Keegan, you know, it makes things a lot easier for them. Um, and you know, look, Keegan is still going to get his goal apparently. Cause he's been, you know, just super strong, you know, kind of popping up. He gets only one chance and, and taking advantage of it, but you have to worry. And, and that's in fact, you know, the, the third point is, is what now, where do we go from here? Um, and you know, if you, you track the, the evolution of the season and what are you looking for? you know, coming out of this North Texas match as we go down to, and it, it was fun to hear the uh, USL League One announcer on Saturday night refer to the band box at Union Omaha, the baseball stadium, which is one of my favorite things, um, you know, but what what are you expecting? Um, what, where can we go from here to improve moving forward, I guess? Because part of me was also thinking, it was kind of a like they had a stretch where they had three games in eight days, but they walked away from those three games in eight days doing really well. They got the win against Oma, then turn around three days later, get a win against South Georgia, turn around and salvage a draw. And you're thinking, okay, cool. You got through this tough part of street season. It was early. You can do this. And then it was like, okay, you lose Omaha at home. You had about, you had some time to rest. Okay, that's not great. Following week, you you can't score. Following week, and then it became more: where are these goals? Why aren't they coming? And then you get the two. You get you jump out to an early lead against Greenville, but then you know you allow that first half goal, and that second half it was always going to be a Greenville goal coming. It was clear as day that second half, and then it became hold on and salvage the draw. And I I don't know where you go with this because the schedule's not necessarily going to get easier. You're going to Omaha, you go into this, you go into a more narrow field. Then you get Fort Lauderdale at home. You don't know what Fort Lauderdale is going to show up. 
But then you got two more road games going to Chattanooga and then to Omaha. And it's like, okay, if you can get four or five points out of the stretch, that's okay. Like, that's not bad, but I feel like four or five points has to be the minimum that you can get. It gets a, your schedule eases up a little bit after that. You know, you get a tournament, so you get to Toronto, you get a rematch with Texas, you get North Carolina. You can maybe, it's like this next month is going to really, the big question is, I think this lineup that Carl Craig is using, he's used for, I think, the fourth or fifth straight match. I don't know how much you can really rely on this lineup to necessarily get the results that you need because so far it hasn't done it. And I don't know if it's a get Audie Jepsen back in the midfield or maybe Suko. I don't know if it's having Tyler Allen. I, I just, I don't know Josiah Trimmingham. Like, I don't know if they're just trying to get him back up to speed because he joined us so late because of, you know, COVID restrictions. I, I just, I wonder if there's going to be more rotation to one, to allow Ford Madison to kind of throw something different. I think that might be the one thing that they need to do is just start throwing variants. Like, yes, you should still have, you know, a consistent lineup week in and week out. You should still try and keep it as consistent. You can't have the guys that automatically get us. You know, I feel like there's really only five or six spots that are secured. Like Keegan spot secured, Gebhardt spot secured, Pato, Jiro, Turbo, Malloy. Those are the only spots where I'm like, yes, they're going to start. That's going to make sense. You don't change that. And then everyone else, it's kind of like, a, well, if we throw someone else in, is that going to make things better? And I mean, is Chris Brady going to play again? Because he hasn't. He just disappeared after the Henny Derby, got the clean sheet, made the big saves. Haven't seen and him since. Got back on the Van Gelder bus back to. Right. Like, did we just get him for one match? I don't know. Like, where is Chris Brady? Where, like, I know Mike Van suffered a knock. Is he going to? Factor back in again, Audie Jepson. Is he going to force his way back into the lineup? I just don't know. You might have to change things up and you have to mix and match and see just key teams off on their toes, I guess. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing when you, when you look back and I was actually kind of thinking about this, you know, when you look back at old, English uh, managers, they weren't real big on tactics necessarily, but they would find pairings of guys who worked well together. And, uh, you know, I think we saw that a little bit with, you know, Gebhardt and Diaz. Um, and, and, you know, particularly that first year, you know, when we had Carter Manley out on the wing and paired with Don Smart and, and uh, Pato paired with um, Paolo Jr., you had guys that worked together and, and knew Carter was, you know, Don liked to cut in with the ball. Carter was great at the overlap, same on the, the opposite side. And I'm worried a little bit that out on the wings, we've lost some of that fluency, but partially by, you know, drawing Pato into this new role as sort of a pairing in the defensive center mid. And, it, one of the, the the other thing that worries me there is that it it's crowding up the space for Malloy, right? If Malloy is going to be our guy to to spring, you know, the balls longer, we we want to create more space, and if we're congesting that, that's going to close up the the passing angles for him. Um, and I, I also just get the sense with uh, Enriquez and Gomez that early in the season, Suko and Jepson 
and Malloy were understanding each other in terms of who rotates where. And we just haven't seen that same sort of fluidity in our midfield. Um, you know, I think it's, it's another problem that, that we're facing now. Again, guys may have picked up knocks. You don't, you don't know all of that, but you know, that's one of the things is I'd like to see a little bit of that fluidity return. Here's the other thing that, that, um, you know, we haven't seen, we don't seem to be a team that, um, presses all that much. Um, a lot of, a lot of what we've talked about is movement offensively, defensively, you know, we've, I think it'd be fair to say we've struggled now. I worry because I think our back line is a little slow, um, a little aged, you might say. I mean, Pato's 30, Turbo is 34, 35. Fernandez is younger, but uh, doesn't look to be exactly, you know, uh, um, Usain Bolt in terms of speed as we saw on, on Saturday night. And so what that prevents you is obviously you're less likely to have that kind of high line because if you bomb the ball over the top, you're going to have a hard time recovering on it, Right. But there are ways of, of managing that, and I would like to see us, you know, get into these situations where we can pick a ball up very quickly and, and you know, counter off of it in certain situations. And I'm not sure we're, we're seeing that necessarily. I, you know, one of the one of the things that you, you could point to is that we would occasionally have very good defensive game plans against teams in the in the past. And. I, I think, you know, look, the possession style that Carl Craig wants to play, it requires a little bit more time focusing on, you know, being aggressive offensively. But I don't think we've we've paired that yet. And I was giving some leeway early in the year because I thought, you know, we can we can pick that up as time goes on if we get the possession game. But now we're not really seeing the possession. We're not seeing the champagne of bottled beers football that we saw. We're seeing a little bit more offensive turgidity and we're not pairing it with a, a kind of stout defense and that, you know, one of, one of, one of those things needs to be fixed. And I thought maybe getting a 10 day rest would help us, but apparently that didn't. So I think, you know, the, the match against union Omaha from a philosophical perspective looms bigger. It just stinks because you're going to play on that tiny little pitch where realistically it's really hard to score. It's really hard to play football you know, every pass bounces into somebody. It's careening all over the place. It's like, you know, old indoor when, when, you know, you play with the tennis balls, it, it just, it doesn't seem like a great environment for that. So, you know, I, I have low expectations, but I'm interested to see what follows after Union Omaha in some sense. I feel like this might be the match where you can get right. Cause I think the times that Ford Madison has shown the most, pressing is they when they played you know home the first time they absolutely dominated dominated them in the midfield they didn't give Omaha any time or space and especially in the first half the second half Omaha kind of grew into it but Ford Madison dominated them in the midfield in that game and they dominated Greenville for the first four like 35 ish minutes as well I, I think those you can like the, those are the two matches where it's like you had the possession but you were also picking up the ball midfield you were dominating their midfield and that's where and that you know that goal against Greenville the second one that Malloy got it was started because they won the ball on the midfield they're able to get it wide to Jiro Jiro's able to get it to I forgot if it was Fusan or Keegan who then just laid it off for Malloy and Malloy just teed it up perfectly like 
that's what you need more of. So when you're going into this game plan and now you're kind of doing this three, five, two, almost like three, four, three style where you have Diaz kind of become more of an auxiliary third center back and you push Jiro up higher and then you shift Gomez out wide. All of a sudden, like, okay, this could work, but that also requires your back three to be alert and quick enough. And I think on the alert side, Turbo can figure he can read it, but obviously his legs aren't going to catch up as well. And same with Pato and same with Gustavo. I, I think there's still that in unbalance side of it. And I think this is going to be one of those matches against Omaha where you're not going to get plenty of chances. So when you do get plenty of chances, you need to take full advantage of it. I'm not as concerned in terms of defending against Omaha because I think it's they've done a pretty four Madison's done a pretty good job in the first two matches of at least defending them well. Yeah. The goals that came about, one of them was just didn't close down on the wing, which then allowed a cross that I, I think it was Hurst that was able to head it. That's something that you can clean up. You close down on the on the guy, you can stop that. But the other that I, there's not going to be much wide play. A lot of it's going to be can you win the midfield, and that's where Fortnite has been successful in the past. But they need to do it again in this match, and maybe the ass kicking that they just got will give them a good wake up call. Let's hope for that. Uh, so, uh, Kyle, thanks for joining us. Uh, I know that uh, it was you know a, a difficult uh, drive back from from Milwaukee last night with all the screaming and celebrating that you were doing, honking <laughs> horn all the way you know through Waukesha. So, want to thank you for coming out. Uh, Dan is somewhere on tour with Fish or not on tour yet with Fish. It's hard to keep track of, but he'll be appearing here and there. We're hoping to get back to a more regular uh, recording schedule. Um, the, the July 4th holiday hit in there and I, you know, forgot about recording podcasts for a while. Uh, so we'll get back to a recording because I'm not sure, you know, if we stopped recording podcasts and that's what caused the downturn or, you know, the downturn causes us to, you know, it's a real chicken and the egg kind of situation. So I think we need to, uh, push and encourage, um, uh, the team more and, and come up to our podcasting duties and, and really bring them along. I'm hoping, should I find a, uh, a dog walker sitter for Paisley to make the trip to Union Omaha on Friday? Um, right now I've, I've got, you know, calls into all of the world's most reputable dog, dog borders. Uh, some of them, they're like, uh, you know, they're, they're like the, the, uh, Ritz hotel for dogs. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not, my dog is not staying in a nicer place than I am. I'm not, I'm not letting that happen. That's uh, fair. Paisley's ears perked up at that thought. So uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll see many of you in Omaha on Friday. Kyle, I will report back. I'll, I'll send you uh, significant text updates um, from, from the band box. I was going to say, I will not be making the trip down. Uh, it, the game being on a Friday is really freaking annoying. Like that, that, that that just probably is why I can't make it because the game is on a snake Friday. I can't just jump on vacation. But for those that do travel, be safe, be smart, and be loud. Being smart being a relative term, I think. Be smart to the point where I don't need to hear a story. 
<laughs> be smart that that Keith doesn't, you know, as uh, as was it is it Jesus or Mero who says avoid the bookings, beloved. That that uh, that is definitely Jesus, and so yeah, avoid it. It is a friend, right. so yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, yeah, you don't want to get arrested on a weekend. Jesus reminds us because then they can't get you out until Monday. Uh, so um, until next time, we say forwards, not backwards, upwards. Not forwards and always twirling, 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 twirling.